Every doctor has a minimum of 19 years of education, $189,000 spent to procure it. Most doctors work on average 12 hours a day and 59.6 hours per week. A hospitalist walks five miles a day. They will see between 40,000 and 250,000 patients in their career, spending 5.9 hours documenting their visits. So needless to say, doctors are tired. These are their stories. Welcome to a special Tired Doctors Talking podcast with lovely ladies, Marguerite and Monique, two medical doctors with melanin discussing morbidity and mortality when we do. Um, this is Marguerite. This is Monique. And I guess we're doing it. Yes, we are doing it. So this is a special extra broadcast or extra special broadcast due to the COVID-19. Dun, 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 dun. Pandemic. Dun, dun. It is a pandemic. It and is. not in like the fun board game way. There's a fun board game way to have <gasps> pandemic. Oh my goodness. Pandemic is a cooperative board game that is so much fun. They it's need so to much brand. They need to rebrand after this. Well, 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 no, because it's literally about different um, diseases popping up in different countries and each person playing the game is a different person. So you have like your quarantine specialist, you have your researcher, you have your um, medical doctor, you have your field specialist, and each person has a different special ability. So you all work together to both research a cure and get rid of the different viruses. You mean the thing that's supposed to happen? Yes. The oh. the way things are supposed to happen. The way things yes. are supposed to happen. So um, we're going to kind of do our uh, wins and losses a little differently. Mm -hmm. uh, we want to give you guys an insight into how this pandemic is currently personally affecting your healthcare providers. The yes. things in our personal lives, in our own four walls, um, that we have to do to be able to keep doing what we do. Right. So Marguerite, how has this affected, changed your life personally? So um, in an interesting way, it's actually brought my personal, my professional life um, a whole lot more mesh than it was before. Um, always felt like the the wall um, dividing them was kind of like a thin gauzy sheet, and now it's a thin gauzy sheet with holes in it because there are um, meetings all the time. So you know, I'll be at home trying to get ready to get Zara ready for bed, but then there's a like, oh, you need to be on this call for this hospital meeting. So there's that. Also about half the time now I'm actually working from home and doing my primary care visits by telemedicine from home, um, which in some ways has actually really been nice because it's cut, you know, two to three hours out of my day when I would have to be out of the house or preparing to be out of the house, which means I do get more at home time with Z and we get to, um, you know, I'm, I'm also around to feed her, you know, in between talking to patients and things like that. But then there's also the complication of, you know, having a 14 month old start banging on your door in the middle of 
a patient visit and like start crying and kind of break in like, ah, so, and then having to explain to your patient, like, I'm sorry, that was my small child. Um, so like I said, it's kind of a, and if you hear things in the background now, it is a very dramatic 14 month old. So in that way, it's kind of brought my home life much, much in more contact with my work life. Um, you know, we had to, we did the normal kind of stocking up and going to Costco, um, and trying to stay home. Um, you know, I am in California, so California is on lockdown. Um, so we have really not been out of the house. Um, you know, me, my husband and my roommate have pretty much all been in the house for almost two full weeks now. Um, and that's just, a you know, three adults and a 14 month old in one house on top of each other, like things get interesting, you know, personalities come out, <laughs> you know, sometimes, you know, there are little mini arguments over just, you know, we only have one TV in the house. So there's the whole like, you know, oh, I want to watch this, but I was watching this type thing. Um, so there's those type of just being in a confined space. And, you know, even when this may not have been super different from what we did in the, in the past, just the limitation of now that you can't go out now causes a lot of like, what? I can't go out. Like before I was lovely in being a homebody and I didn't care that I did not want to leave the house, but now you're telling me I can't leave the house. Well, that's terrible. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like there's, there's a little bit of, of, you know, that, you know, existential dread going on, you know, when there's so much in turmoil and you're getting updates constantly and, you know, all you have to do is to sit around and look at everybody else in the house who also is like, did you hear about this thing? Did you hear about this thing? And, you know, it kind of all roils up. So, you know, I think that's the biggest home difference I've noticed is just, you know, the Swiss cheese of a gauze sheath between my home life and my work life. And then now just everyone just kind of always being on top of each other, you know, with a constant update of the world is falling apart. <laughs> How about your life with, with your, with your little ones and your partner? Well, my kids aren't here. I couldn't keep my kids. What happened? When daycare closed, mm -hmm. I could not find any caretakers mm. for my children. I had a babysitter who I had mm -hmm. made a plan with. Mm -hmm. And um, in the end, this she was not able to come due to concerns of working around healthcare providers. Mm -hmm. And um, they set up some emergency daycares around the state, but I am not going to put my young daughters into healthcare, uh, childcare systems that I am not fully vetted. Right. And um, I need to see patients. My husband's need to see patients. So I had to send yep. my children away. 
So my where are they? Are here. My, they're, oh. with, they're with um, my cousins uh, okay. in a different state. Okay. And I FaceTime them at night. Mm. Um, so my cousins were able to take them for two weeks. But after that, I have to figure it out again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am a hospital-based physician, so I don't get to work from home. Right. Right. Um, and so it's hard. And my and when my husband is seeing patients telemedicine, he you know like having two kids running around mm-hmm. watching Paw Patrol in the back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not particularly always easy or possible. Um, and then mm-hmm. as an administrator, even when I'm off, I'm not off, right? Because like you said, this thing doesn't mm-hmm. stop. Uh, and right. in the end, it was a really, really hard decision to say that right now, I cannot even care for my own children. The supports mm-hmm. that I need are not here. And right. I'm not the only one. All right. I've, I've heard of physicians sending mm-hmm. their kids to their parents' home in Arizona. Um, right. Our babysitter was willing to come if she would move in. I, how long am I going to have another person in my house? I don't know how long this thing is going to go on. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I you hear, I have a colleague who's bringing family in from, yeah, from another state. But it's, you know, this isn't, this, this yeah. system is not built up. A, the American system is not built to support parents, but B, no. it's not built to support parents when when something like this happens. And I think mm-hmm. um, people don't know what we give up. Like, you, you don't know. And I'm fine. You know, like, I was upset when I left them, not because... Yeah. Not because I was like gonna miss them. Obviously, I'm gonna miss them, but I was I was more angry. I wasn't like mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, I was I was angry that it has come to this point that in order to do my job for you, I can't have my own children in my house. Yes. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, and they're they're fine. You know, they're fine. They're more than fine. I get videos of them. <laughs> taking dance lessons from their older cousins and making <laughs> caterpillars mm-hmm. out of toilet paper rolls. And um, yeah, the number one has taken up yoga. They Ooh. started doing yoga. They started doing it in her daycare and now she's obsessed with it. So she and uh, my older cousin do yoga together. So I get pictures of them doing all these yoga poses. If you can imagine a three-year-old um, <laughs> doing all her yoga poses. Uh, mm-hmm. So they're great. They're my kids are great. They're safe. They're loved. They're they are very, very, very well taken care of. Um, and I'm fine too, right? Mm-hmm. It's just we're not together. And when mm-hmm. we are together, eventually, you know, my ki- cousins can't keep my kids, nor do I want them to keep my kids forever. But um, right. what's this going to look like? You know, when people like we can't. You know, my even, yeah, people don't particularly want to be around healthcare providers intimately anymore. Right. Um, and there's, to me, nothing more intimate than my kids. Right. You know? And so uh, mm-hmm. when my husband and I talk, he's like, well, maybe this person could do that. Or maybe we can convince them to do this. Or what if we pay them a little bit more? Um, 
And part of me is like, well, A, I'm not, I'm not here to line your pockets just because, right. <laughs> you know, I understand lots of people are having financial hardships. I think that's very different, but if you're going to try and jack up prices on me, I'm not going to do that. Right. But no, absolutely not. Yeah. But the other part is I've learned if I have to convince you to be around my kids, I don't, I don't want you around my kids. Right. Right. That makes right. sense. Like you should, anyone who is around my children sincerely enjoys them and wants to be in their company immediately. If I have to be like, please, could you please, then I'm not going to ask again. No. Right. Um, so I don't know what it's going to look like when they come back. Um, mm. And here doesn't open again for at least another month. Um, right. I did have the governor petition to reopen my daycare. Why? Because mm -hmm. I'm a crazy person. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was impossible. It's kind of too cost prohibitive to, for them to reopen our daycare. So I, um, I'm going to have to figure that out. And we will, you know, but right now this was, mm -hmm. this was the solution we came up with. Yeah, no. And I absolutely hear you about the anger of the way things are set up. I mean, that is every day for pretty much the last year, you know, since I went back to work, I was angry because, you know, if I lived in a normal first world country, I would not have gone back to work the first year after I had the kid. And then again, more recently, with the way that everything is happening, um, I was very upset in the way that um, things are being handled as compared to previous um, pandemics that we've had, such as SARS, such as H1N1, where there was a, um, as soon as these health concerns were noted, um, a plan was put in place by the CDC and things were and actions were taken so that it did not get to this point. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah. it, it, it was just, you know, so all I you to do is I let mean, people yeah. do their jobs. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't have a crystal ball to say how or when or what things will pan out to be, but I, I just know that um, right now, in order to be able to do what is being asked of, of me and a lot of my friends and colleagues, mm -hmm. we are putting ourselves out in many different ways. Oh, yes. Um, and for me, what it ended up being was that I had to choose to have my children put with a family so that I can, because yeah. I'll be seeing patients all next week. So mm -hmm. in order for me to get right. through that, um, mm -hmm. That's how we, that's how we pieced it together. So yeah, that's what this is doing to us personally. Yeah. So, so what does it look like um, for you in the hospital? So we know COVID-19 is a coronavirus, which is a very common virus, just like, you know, like the influenza virus, like adenovirus, um, yeah, you know, it's responsible for are, a lot of your little sniffles and common cold. Right. You right. have had a coronavirus in your past. I'm pretty right. sure going to put money on on it that most mm -hmm. people have had a, a coronavirus. 
Right. But this one is the thing about this one is that it is a new, a novel coronavirus. So no one has any immunity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's that is kind of one of the biggest hallmarks. Most coronaviruses, you've had some variation of it before. Mm-hmm. This one is novel. It's completely new. Um, and that's why it's called COVID-19, because it literally was just came up in 2019 brand yeah. new. <laughs> Um, and so the fact that it is, you know, more infectious than the flu. So if you have the same people exposed to, you know, Corona, as you would have exposed to the flu, more people would actually end up getting, um, COVID-19 as compared to the influenza virus. And the fact that it, um, is more severe again, for uh, the same reasons as no one has any immunity to it. So um, the severity is increased, especially for people who already have immunocompromises. So those are your people with who are elderly, so over 65, over 60, those folks are at higher risk. And the folks who have, um, who have autoimmune diseases that might be on immunosuppressants, you know, so if you know folks who have, you know, psoriasis or lupus or any of them under one of Medicaid things that they might be on immunosuppressants for, they would, you know, have a worsening, a worse, worse infection. And then also you have your folks who have diabetes and high blood pressure and heart disease. Um, Those people are also getting it worse, you know, not to mention everyone who has COPD or any type of lung disease. So, and I think the another really important part to remember is that we don't know who is going to do poorly. Um, there are a right. number of what we in medicine may refer to walkie-talkies, right? People who are up and at them every day, healthy people who walk into the hospital, right? That's what we refer to sometimes. It's like, oh, he was a walkie-talkie, meaning he was able to do everything he had to do. Um, right. A healthy guy. And a number of those people will do very poorly and, mm-hmm. you know, will pass, um, unfortunately. Um, in the hospital, I think the things that people need to remember is that um, right now, in general, in my life, I want people to remember that hospital is for sick people. And you should try to avoid coming to the hospital um, if you are not sick. Um, And I know people were probably like, well, obviously, dear, but believe it or not, (laughs) no, lots of people. um, It it may be because they don't know where else to go when they're having a problem, Mm -hmm. but but hospitals are often um, do have people who are not like the sickest and can be cared for in other settings. But now it is very important to remember that the hospital is for sick people. It is not yes. a safe environment for you to be in if you do not need to be in the hospital. Every day in general, people who come to hospitals are put at risk of, or not put at risk, are at risk of infections and mm-hmm. bad things happening because unfortunately you can still get what we call a nosocomial infection in a hospital. 
point you do not want to get, and that means a, an infection from the hospital. You do not want that infection to be COVID-19. Right. So please try and keep your ability, if you can be at home with your primary care doctors, um, understanding and safety, that is a good place to try and be. Please remember. Is, is your, so let's say like, you know, you have a patient who wakes up and all of a sudden they are having symptoms of like a heart attack. Should that person still go to the hospital? Yes. Yes. And that's the thing. That's the other thing we need to remember is that outside of this, babies were still going to need to be born. Someone's going to have a heart attack. Someone's going to have a car accident. You know, Mm -hmm. um, someone's going to go into DKA. Someone may get diagnosed with a cancer. We still need to be able to have the bandwidth to see and treat all the other very important medical things that are going to happen. Someone is going... Through all this, someone's gallbladder is going to have to come out, right? And if we eat up our bandwidth before we even get through the COVID patients, um, there's risk of all the other things also being compromised. Right. Um, So So, that's very, very important. Thanks for bringing that up. Yes. Um, So... And is your hospital doing any kind of special screening measures? So say if you are that patient who is like, okay, I feel like I might be having a heart attack. I'm going to go to the hospital. Is your hospital doing any type of screening before they get through the doors or anything? I don't know if the emergency department, um, because they have to see everybody who shows up. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So if you come in, you know, with chest pain or stroke stuff, they they will mm-hmm. do the things that they need to do to get you well cared for. Um, what we're screening, uh, well, number one, before we've been screening, we're not allowing visitors right, um, to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, certain populations like infants are allowed to have visitors. They're allowed to have their parents. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard of some hospitals in New York that don't allow birthing partners anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my hospital does still allow a birthing partner, I think. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, outside of, you know, literally being with a loved one who's passing away, um, mm-hmm. the general public is not advised to come to hospitals. Um, because again, we want to keep, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> want to keep everybody safe. And we want to be able to have the bandwidth to do all the other things we need to do. So we are in two different states. So I'm in California, which, you know, has already been on lockdown for a little bit. And if you do come to one of our local hospitals, we are having more screening. So everyone who gets screened, um, whether you come in with shortness of breath or whether you come in with chest pain symptoms or whether you come in with stroke symptoms, everyone is getting their temperature taken before they enter the hospital door. Um, They're getting screened with temperature and they're getting screened with a series of questions from the health department to see if they should be going, should go into an area that is sequestered 
um, away from the rest of the patients, or if they are in an area that is okay to um, be more mixed with the general populace. So that is one thing that you may see, depending on where you live, you may be get to um, your healthcare provider. And my clinic is also doing this. So um, the way things are looking right now, also in the clinic world is before you walk into our clinic, we will take your temperature, we'll ask you a series of questions. And if there's any question that you could um, have COVID, then you are being diverted to um, one of our other clinics that does drive through COVID testing. Um, after we screen you with the public health department and make sure they also agree that you're an appropriate person to screen. Um, and if everything else is fine um, and you have a reason that you need to be seen in clinic that day, because again, a lot of our patients were trying to convert to um, you know, telemedicine, you know, if we possibly can. And not everything can be. You know, if someone has acute abdominal pain, I'm going to need to see you and do labs and do an exam. Like I can't do all of that over the phone. So, you know, there are some things that we'll still see you in clinic for, but if we can talk to you from home and triage things from home, things like chronic high blood pressure, where you can take your blood pressure at home with your blood pressure cuff and you report it to me and we talk through it that way, then we will try and do that at home. Now, that being said, of those people who are going and, you know, they may have symptoms that are slightly concerning, they go through our drive-through screening um, and get tested for COVID. Some people are COVID positive and they don't have a whole lot of symptoms. And it just seems like kind of a normal cough and cold. So what we're asking those patients to do is the same thing that we would do for anyone with any cold in an ideal situation, which is stay home. Um, don't leave your house. Don't expose yourself to other people. If you have to go out, please wear a mask. So masks are for sick people. Masks are so that you are not spreading droplets to other people to get them sick. Um, that's really the purpose of masks. Um, it's for the sick folks. So, you know, anyone out there who's like, I'm going to start wearing masks just to wear a mask. I mean, you know, I guess that's a good reminder not to touch your face or nose, but that's not really going to keep you from getting sick the same way as someone who is actively ill, keeping their, you know, mucus and coughing to themselves. You know, I will admit this whole thing really made me realize that I'm constantly touching my face. Me too. Oh my goodness. So many times. Yeah, I have this thing about my eyelashes that like, yeah. if I feel like one is loose and is about to come down, I get all like, ah, oh, my eyelashes. <laughs> then I like, you know, and it's all like, don't touch your eyes. Stop it. <laughs> See, versus me, like, I'm just a snotty person. Like, I am a genuinely, like, I have lots of mucus in my nose. Like, I'm a snotty person. And so I am constantly getting an itchy nose. And it's really hard not to just do that little, like, oh, like, itchy nose. Like, even right now, I really want to scratch my nose. So, um, and it also, so, this yeah. whole thing has also made me that realize that I'm a little bit of a, like, closer talker than I thought I was. Because mm. 
Uh, um, now we're social distancing, right? Yes. So six feet. You need to be six mm-hmm. feet away. But like my natural instinct is when someone is coming, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm friendly right. enough and I want to go. You know, so my neighbor mm-hmm. came over and she was like walking down my driveway and I started walking towards her and then she started backing up. I was like, oh, yeah, social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just like have to mm-hmm. remind myself. So right. please um, keep it up. Keep up the mm-hmm. social distancing. Uh, so, and by social distancing, we mean staying home as much as possible. You want to stay at least six feet away from other folks if you can. Um, just abandon shaking hands. Don't shake hands. Like, you know, that's not useful. Um, when I greet my patients, I have been giving people elbows. Give a, a nice, well, you know, fully covered elbow to people if you An feel like you need welcome, to- as I call it. So, um, you know, give an elbow to folks, give them a head nod, you know, do not shake hands at, at this point in time. It's, it's not useful. Um, other things to think about are things like, um, doorknobs, um, doorknobs can, you know, a lot of people will, you know, cough or something. And it is those hard surfaces where we know viruses like to live. So if you can avoid touching doorknobs, you know, with touch it with a paper towel, you know, use, you know, again, your elbow to open it or close it. If there is a way that you can keep from directly touching a doorknob, that would be a great um, thing to do as well. So, you know, COVID can look very, you know, it has, it runs the gambit from not even noticing that you have symptoms to being in ICU and being on a ventilator. And while we know people who um, have certain respiratory illnesses and are older are, are at a higher risk because no one has immunity, everyone is at risk. Yeah. So that is the reason why it's so important that Everyone actually practice social distancing. Um, you know, everyone, you know, if you feel sick, whether it is, you know, a actual, you know, upper respiratory illness, like cough, cold, sniffle, or you're having diarrhea, GI distress, whatever it is, stay home, wash your hands and, um, there was actually a really fun list of th- songs that were more fun to sing than the ABCs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them, which was um, Lizzo's Truth Hurts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is I, a, a fun variation. Yeah. This I Will Survive is another good one. I saw the video for mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I taught number one. Um, I attempted to teach number two, but she's so small, but I taught number one how to really wash her hands. And so my cousin made her go wash nice. her hands and she was like, no, auntie, you have to do one finger at a time and then mm-hmm. you have to wash the back. So, um, yes, please learn how to wash your hands. Um, I know that's weird because uh, most people listening are adults, but there's actually a proper technique to washing your hands. Yes. And the reason why washing your hands works really well is because, um, the chemistry of soap and water and the way it interacts with cells is it essentially breaks up the cells that it interacts right. with. It. So if you can cover all the surfaces, then you 
will kill a lot of stuff on your hands. Yeah. So learn how to wash your hands. There's lots of good videos. I saw one on YouTube with this guy who used black paint um, so that you could Ooh. see where it was on the hands. And it point it showed how essentially each movement covered each portion of his hands and fingers. So nice. learn how to wash your hands. So, so you, you touched a little bit about um, what it means to be at home uh, if you do get infected with this novel virus. Um, so let's talk about what happens if you need to come to the hospital. So why would you need to be in the hospital? You need to be in the hospital, particularly if something like you can't breathe, um, you know, you're having uncontrolled symptoms, blood pressure is low, things, things that you cannot handle um, in an outpatient setting. Or if you're, if you contact your primary care doctor and they're like, you need to go to the hospital please take that advice. What are we seeing in hospitalized patients? We're, we're seeing the gamut. You know, um, we see some people get better and we see some people do not. Um, what we know is that if you're not able to breathe really well, we are skipping what we refer to as non-invasive ventilation, which is a mask called a CPAP or a BiPAP that you put on in this machine that kind of just blows big gusts of air <laughs> over and over again. Hi, honey girl. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Z decided that she needed to visit right now. Remember that yeah. thin line between work and, and home? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we know now, um, and I use the word now because the, the data and the experience <laughs> in treating this is growing day to day. So we know now that um, if you are in this respiratory distress and you are not able to breathe uh, for yourself, that early intubation, which means going on a ventilator with a tube down your throat so that the machine can help breathe for you uh, and with you, is preferred over trying to give you some support. So in other settings, you know, we do trying to give people support before we put them on the machine in other ways. Um, but we know now that if this is a respiratory failure due to COVID, the thing that we're doing is going straight to that ventilator, which means right. that patients are ending up in the intensive care unit like pretty quickly if they're not getting better, if they start getting worse. Um, and this is also an important thing to think about as for um, our previous discussions about, you know, code statuses and, um, and um, thank you, Zara, um, about code, code statuses and um, what your wishes might be, because this might be a time where you would want to re-examine to say, oh no, I definitely don't want to be on any type of ventilator. But this is a situation where even though in general, you wouldn't want to be on a ventilator, we know that that is actually the appropriate treatment for this. And, you know, doing um, non-invasive pressure is going to be less effective and possibly more harmful. So, you know, these are things to remember. Um, <clears throat> and so there are some people who get better who, oh, and I've even seen it in, in our facility, people who do come off of the ventilator 
um, and they are able to to wean down to six liters, eight liters, and over and over. Hopefully, they can get down to less and less. Um, but, and I I have not personally seen it. I've just read the reports um, from our colleagues abroad, and I will just want to give a shout out to all the physicians around the world who are putting their heads together and their experience together so that we are learning from each other. Um, this is a really dynamic time for physicians learning from physicians. And I've enjoyed watching my colleagues rise to the occasion for each other over and over again, all over the world. So sidebar shout out. Um. And one other thing that I've actually really appreciated as I've been doing my faux visits is ah. that we, as physicians, I don't think people realize, Zara, let go of the mic. Let go of the mic. Let go of the mic. Sorry, guys. Just a second. <laughs> it's actually really oh, cute. Oh, gosh. Um, so one thing I don't people think people realize is just um, all the different sacrifices that doctors make on a regular basis for patients you know the the act of being a doctor is one of service it it's not something that you know you just get you know all the glory and all the money for it is an act of service um and one thing i can say that this covid has made people realize is how much we really are doing so i've had more and more people actually thank me for what i'm doing and being available um and, and that part I can say is nice because I don't think people always realize just how much, you know, as you said, in order to take care of people, we all have to make choices sometimes about, you know, not being able to take care of ourselves, our kids, our families, you know, the things that we do have to sacrifice. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so. Oh, I think we're going to go. We're going to cut pretty short. Um, big shout out to everybody who's doing their part, right? Um, we have amazing nurses and respiratory therapists. Yes. Thank you, respiratory therapists. Yeah. Thank you, pharmacists. Pharmacists, we love you. We yes. love you. Out there on the front lines um, every day. Um, home healthcare workers who who go into people's homes. Um, and help take care of them and keep them healthy so they're not in the hospital. Um, thank you. Our, Our IT workers. guys. Our IT guys who are making sure that we can get everything done and work smoothly and all this more new remote calling and all that stuff. Thank you. Oh, yes. IT is a big one. <laughs> very, very big mm. one. Um, uh, we want to thank our transporters uh, who are bringing patients all over the hospital, our rad techs uh, who are scanning patients, x-raying patients. I've seen rad techs going into rooms, putting on the same PPE, personal protective equipment as everybody else. Um, just everyone who's really come together uh, and help is helping this country get through this. Um, and one day it will, there will be a normal, <laughs> a new normal, yes. an old normal, a, a settled normal, whatever it is. Um, 
But uh, right now, we do ask everyone to stay safe. Keep your social distancing up. Flatten that curve. Wash your hands. Watch a couple videos on that. Um, enjoy being home if you, you can. Um, there are people who, for being at home, it's more difficult. Uh, and mm -hmm. we realize that. Um, shout out to the teachers across the nation who are not only getting kids' lessons, but food. Um, mm -hmm. and, yes. and kids who depend on school lunches. And I know there are teachers Absolutely. out there across the nation who are getting these kids' food. Um, shout out to the social workers because there are people mm -hmm. who are stuck at home with their abusers. Mm -hmm. And um, those services are still available to people um, to try and somehow navigate this. Um, so everybody... I know everybody's doing their part um, and I just really want to say thank you. And, and I'm appreciative of it. I am also very appreciative of it. Um, one other thing before we go, one fun thing. So um, the one um, lockdown adventure I have gone through, I've, I'm calling them lockdown achievements is I've achieved the lockdown achievement of sheer madness. I have cut my own hair. Oh, trimmed it, that. should I say. I, I have never trimmed my own hair in the past, ever. I am very glad I have curly hair, and therefore it will be forgiving. But it was definitely <laughs> time, and I knew it was, you know, it had already been about six months, and I wasn't going to be able to get another trim anytime soon. So I, I did that. Uh, Monique, have you had any um, lockdown or COVID achievements that, that you are proud of? So um, one upside to the kiddos not being here is that I can cook all the stuff that I want to cook mm -hmm. and that, <laughs> that I will eat. So last night we made, we had my duck ramen. Ooh. It was my first foray into A, cooking duck and B, making ramen. Um, took me three days <laughs> between... <laughs> Between making the duck, then taking the bones to make the broth. Um, so that was like day one was um, making the duck. Then the next day was making the broth. And then the third day was putting it all together. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, wow, this is this came out pretty decent. It was a little, nice. I think the... Um, I think my broth was a little heavy on one spice, but um, mm. I, I was like, I wouldn't do this again. So, yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, and I, did I am going to. Today. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, I don't ever garden, but I was out there with a rake, and I even got knee pads, <laughs> and I was like pruning stuff, and there was some kind of murderous bush that I didn't even know no. was growing there. <laughs> It was trying to kill me with these these thorns of death. I was like, no, you will not twin. And so um, several hours later, our yard is now like spring cleaned, done. Um, and this is the first time I've, I, I have completed that task. Um, usually the, the lawn guys do it. <laughs> but this year nice. I, was like, I was like, get out there. I might have pruned a little aggressively something. <laughs> <laughs> I I have the yeah my mother can grow anything 
Like you give her like a dead like branch. And the next time she sees you, it's like, I have made you a fig tree. You know, like my mom just has mm-hmm. that gift. And I have like the thumb of death, like the black thumb of death. So I was like pruning stuff. I was like, well, that seems to be an actual flower. So there we go. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, my, my garden. My my goal, so it's Passover this coming week. So my goal is to get better at making matzo ball soup. I've made matzo ball soup in the past. It's not as good as anyone's bubbies and it's not as good as even like my Jewish friend's moms. And usually I just try to get like as close to my closest Jewish friend and be like, you know, you want to give me a pot of matzo ball soup, right? <laughs> but this year I am... I'm going to try and actually um, make my own masa ball soup and get a little bit better at that. So oh, again, again, I've made it before. It's just, I was, I was not happy with it. So I'm going to, I'm going to make another foray. Keep me posted. I will. Well, thanks for sharing some time with us, everybody. Yes, everyone, um, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, there, you can always send questions to tired doctors talking at Gmail um also feel free to um hit us up on twitter um the tweets we have my child unplugged my computer sorry that is not what this is about um the uh dr uh, monique has the best handle which is dr mo's best dr mo's best <laughs> get it and get it Yes, and mine is Dr. Dr. Underscore Marguerite M A R G R E T T E M D. Um, feel free to just hit us up and let us know what's going on. Oh, can I tell a really bad COVID dad joke? <laughs> yes. Okay. Did you guys hear that Finland closed its borders? Because now no one can no? cross the finish line. Oh. <laughs> oh, I got a bunch of them. I got a bunch of them. Okay, okay. What he what and I have to I'm not coming up with these. I'm totally stealing them from my colleague. So if he ever hears this, Pete, I'm giving you full credit. Um, so um what do you what, what do you tell yourself when you wake up late for work? what self-isolate all right everyone stay home um watch netflix self-made if you haven't yet um do a project that you have done take some deep breaths Um, If this has raised your anxiety, there are lots and lots of anti-anxiety meditations everywhere, including some COVID-specific ones. Um, If you go to um, religious organizations and find religious gatherings to be your thing, um, please do that remotely. Um, Lots and lots of churches. Party. Yep. Listen. Hit up an Instagram party. Did you guys hear that because of all this uh, Post Malone? had to cancel one of his concerts because now he's postponed Malone. (laughs) All right. I'm going to, all right. And on that note, yeah, I'm going to have to interject. We're going to have to uh, wrap this up. (laughs) This is uh, 
this is far outside of the bounds of the program, and I'd like to apologize for all the listeners that um, have been subjected to the um, unfortunate derailment of this proud program. Uh, apologies. Thank you. Oh, I, uh, I can I can get real bad with these jokes, guys. <laughs> all right, all right. It was good talking. Bye. Good talking. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.